Thank you for firing up the Sunrise Church podcast. My name is Steve Garcia, and I am the lead pastor at Sunrise. We are a community of Jesus followers from all walks of life, all colors of skin, and all ages. And I hope this message you hear today inspires you to deepen your connection with Christ. And now, here is Pastor Anthony Riley. Let's dive in. Good morning, Sunrise Church. How you doing? All right, you guys are fired up. I was starting to wonder. It was kind of quiet in here. And I was about to say, start the whole service all over again. Well, thank you for coming. My name is Pastor Anthony Riley. I'm so glad to be worshiping with you this morning. Um, It's now really time to start getting into worship. It's time to take it from our dancing. It's time to take it from our singing. It's time to rest it in the word of God for our hearts. And if this is your first time, I want to say thank you for coming and visiting us today. Uh, I'm so thankful for our entire church because we had an opportunity to go to the community yesterday. And it was so rich and it was so exciting to see all the people that we got to speak the word of God to and also to show them how great our God is. I love that last song because it says, if you can only imagine... Can you imagine Jesus coming again, saying, well done, my good and faithful servant? The question is, are you ready for that day? And if not, what are you doing to prepare yourself for that day? If you've been with us for the last five or six weeks, we have been going through the book of Revelation. And this revelation was given to the Apostle John for our hope, knowing that no matter what you're going through, no matter the trials, the issues, the struggles, oh, the joy, the Bible declares, if you read this book, you will be blessed. Not just blessed with reading, but also blessed with doing. Because all you have to do is look at the news. It's gloom and doom. I don't know about you, sometimes it just disgusts me it seems that the, the anchors and all those writing just wants to focus on the bad stuff. And if you're not careful, that stuff will bleed into your mind and your psyche. And next thing you know, you're just snapping. It's a shame what's happening in the war in Ukraine. People are flooding for their lives, trying their best, and all they want is peace. If you get closer to home, as you know, last week there was this massive shooting in Sacramento. Six people were dead, 12 injured. A bunch of debris and a bunch of lives just scared because of someone or some group of people lost their mind over gang turf. If you bring it closer to home, just Henry Alto, a couple who was going to get married lost their lives because someone thought it was a great idea to drink and drive. And then they thought it was a greater idea. Let me just run from the police recklessly, and now two, lo- two lives are lost here in Rialto. But I want to take it closer to your home because many of you in this room are battling. Mentally, physically, spiritually, you're trying to figure things out. Many of you are stunned with all these health concerns, and you're just tired of going to the doctor. You just want some relief. Many of you got phone calls and it just took you out of whack and now you're anxious you don't know why. 
You try to put your thumb on it, but you just keep moving and you wonder, when is this all going to be over? I want to encourage you, it's going to be over soon and very soon because Jesus has a plan. And your responsibility and my responsibility is to get in that plan. And if you do that, God will see you through. So we're going to continue in the book of Revelation. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in chapters 21 and 22. Many of you are just thinking, does God exist? Does he care about my condition? Does he even know my name? The answer to those three questions is yes and yes. Our God does exist, and he is definitely concerned about you, and he does know your name. The question is, is do you know his name? And what's beautiful about chapter 21 is we get a glimpse of what the future glory is going to look like. And the apostle Paul is trying to pin this thing, but he's, it's just so beautiful. He's trying his best to sketch it out to give us hope. I don't care what's going on in your life. God can take the bad and make it good. You just have to be confident in the fact that in the end, Jesus wins. So in part one, we talked about the church. In the first three chapters of Revelation... Jesus speaks to the church saying, what are you guys doing? Some of you guys are doing it right. Some of you guys are doing it wrong. But at the end of the day, we all need some work to be done. And we are the church. Never get so high-minded that you think you don't need Jesus. And what John is saying is, you're doing good, but you can do better. Gird up your loins and get ready because people need to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ. In week two, we talked about suffering. You think it's bad now, it's going to get worse. And what the writer is saying, you need to put your boots on the ground, lace in your shoes, and get ready for the battle because it's going to get worse. But he wants you and I to stand in the gap and be ready for when that day comes. Are you ready? Week three, we talked about hostility. And we made it very clear, we don't know what it means to be in a hostile environment. If you think I'm kidding, go overseas to where you can't preach Jesus or even say his name. People are getting beheaded just for the name of Jesus. And here in the world, when we get a little uncomfortable, we want to say, oh, I'm being crucified. The truth is you're not. Stop exaggerating. Amen. But I can relate to where you find yourself because it may appear like it's hostile. But if you know Jesus by faith, that means you're empowered with the Holy Spirit. That means you can push off anything that's coming your way in Christ. Week four, we talked about deception. Many of us are getting deceived today. We're chasing anyone or anything and we wonder why our life is so chaotic. But we must understand that the Antichrist is real and the false prophets are real. And in the end days, the devil is going to empower them to do more damage. So you must know the word of God. 
because that's all you have at the end of the day to push off those things so you won't be hoodwinked to something that's not true. Last week, Pastor Steve talked about judgment. This is when it comes, when, when Jesus simply says enough is enough. The truth is, many of you in here know what you're doing is wrong. I know what I'm doing is wrong sometimes, but yet I still choose to do it. But at the end of the day, everyone will be judged. The Bible says according to your works. Now, works doesn't get you into heaven. It's about how you live your life on a daily basis. Today, I want to talk about God's glory. And we're going to get more into that, but we're going to end this series next week talking about Jesus because literally that's what Revelation is all about. It's preparing you for the coming Messiah, but when he comes back, it's over. So he wants us to get his right. So what, what the book allows us to do is we get to look through the window and see how the end times are going to play out in hopes that we will change our lives for the better so that we can be better for Christ, better for those around us, and be armor bearers for him. So if you miss any of those uh, sermons, you can go to our YouTube channel, get refreshed on it, or you can go to our sunrisechurch.org, and there you will find all of those. But I want to talk about future glory today. So if you have your Bibles, Revelation 21, if you don't have neither, they'll be on the screen. Verse 1 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. There's going to come a time when Jesus will come. And when he comes, everything will be new. God said, I'm not going to renovate anything. I'm just going to rebuild. In fact, he is building, and it has been built because if you call Jesus said, I go to a place to prepare the way for you. So where I go, you can come also. That day is going to be a great day. But in this verse, John mentions two new things. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. So you may be asking yourself, well, pastor, my mother, my father, my siblings, my children, they already passed in Christ, so where are they? They're actually in heaven with Jesus or in paradise, as some call it. But when all is said and done, that's just temporary. He's going to build a new heaven, a new earth, and they're going to be there in that new place. I don't know about you, but, um, you know, I watch TV. I don't know about you. You guys may be too holy. I watch TV. And one of my favorite shows, I, I love renovation shows. How, you know, they build up people's houses. Three of my like, I love, uh, love it or list it. You got these people come in, you got the designer, let's change this, let's fix this, and it's great. Some of you might like, you know, uh, fixer upper. I'm not too fond of chip. <laughs> Amen. My favorite is fix to fabulous. And they just, I can spend hours watching that show because what these people do, they have this image in their mind on how they're going to make it work. They take the dreams of the husband, the dreams of the wife, and they just give them this awe. And usually when they come back, they say, it's not like I remembered it. 
they cry a little bit, thank them, and they move on. Though it's a great show, that's not going to come close to what Jesus is going to bring you and I. It's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. God is going to give the world a makeover, and it's going to be fresh, and it's going to be new. Ghettos will be turned into gardens. Slums will be turned into spas. Wastelands will be turned into well springs. Look at verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the, from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is not among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. God is so personal, he's going to dwell with us in the future kingdom. No longer will there be some type of disconnect. Now, he is with us in the Holy Spirit, but he is going to be with us in the present. All evil is gone. All bad is gone. All sadness is gone. And we have the opportunity to be in front of our God. Verse 4 says it like this. He will wipe away every tear from your eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Can you imagine being in a place where there's no more crying, no more heartache, no more pain? Ooh, Jesus, no more bills. <laughs> Could you imagine that place? I thrive for that place, and God is going to wipe away every tear, every disease, every depression, but most importantly, every death. Today, if you've been around church a while, we call today Palm Sunday. And where that comes from is Jesus has now got a, a donkey, and now he's walking, he's going into Jerusalem, and he has his eyes fixed on the cross. And as he's walking in, the imagery is simply this. People on both sides of the road, and they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, my Lord God in the highest. In Luke chapter 19, it kind of expresses this, and it says in verse 41, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what you would bring, what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Jesus was stunned in the fact that they did not even recognize what was happening around them. It said he wept for them. As he wept for them, I weep for you if you don't know Jesus. You don't know what you have around you. Many of us are walking around blinded. Blind spots, not recognizing God's love, God's joy, God's peace, and everything else. And if you don't get it right, you're going to miss it. I don't want us to be like, oh, Jerusalem, and miss it. So if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior by faith, I pray that you open your ears this morning. Because I don't want him to weep for you when that time comes. I want you to be with us in Christ in that new heaven and new earth. Let's go back to Revelation 21, verse 9. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, come, I will show you the bride and the wife of the lamb. Now here it is, as you know, Jesus was 
speaking through various angels. And what we have here is the seventh angel. And he's giving John a tour of this new heaven and this new earth. And he carries him away, it says in verse 10, and he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was that, was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It's so magnificent, it's so splendiferous that he can't even write. He said, it's like this. It's like that. It's not that. All I can say that it's clear, it's beautiful, it's amazing. Wow. But he uses this language so that we can try to understand what is going on and what's coming to us. So he kind of gives us this. But back in the day, they didn't know about the word a diamond. So I would say it's like a diamond today where if you put a diamond up to the sun, it gives you all these beautiful colors, all these different rays. That's what the Apostle John was trying to say. And he takes him to this high place. And what he's saying is the New Jerusalem is both a people and a place. It's a place that we're going to reside, but we are the people because we are the church. And it's at that time where God is going to finish the work. And also in this text, he talks about the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ actually is the church, and we are the church, so it's going to come a day when you and I will become one in Christ in this new place. We are one in Christ, but we're going to be there in this place where it's all over, no more pain, no more suffering, no more death. So we're going to be presented as the church, as the bride of Christ, as holy, pure, having been cleansed by all our sins through the death of Jesus. And if you look at verses 11 through 21, it talks about in great detail this description that John is seeing. But I want to focus on verse 21. It says, the great street of the city was of gold as pure as transient glass. I don't want you to miss the streets of gold. If you've been traveling with us in this series, in chapter 19, when Babylon was in this place, it represented the world's systems of ungodliness and wickedness. Babylon was characterized by indulgences, excess, and the love of money. Yet this new city, the value system, will be totally different. Money and possessions will have no worth, if you will, in that day. And what he's saying is that we're going to be walking on the streets of gold. It's going to be that good where you used to put gold in your pockets. You're not going to have to because it's just not going to matter anymore. It's going to be under our feet. Verse 22. He said, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. In the Old Testament, the temple was a representation of God with them. So they built this temple. They put the veils up and God was behind the veil. Once a year, they would go in there, just the high priest, and give glory and give honor to God. There in this new city, they don't have to worry about the temple because it's going to be right there in front of us, God and Jesus. And there's no need for all of that because why? Everything is pure. Everything is clean. Everything is holy. We won't need a representation of God's presence because we will have him physically in our midst. 
Revelations 21, 23. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives light, and the Lamb is its lamp. Because of his glory, because of his Shagana glory, we're not going to need anything to bounce off. So there's going to be no need for a sun, a moon, or stars, any of those things, because we're going to be in an awesome glory of God. Verse 26, I love this one. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. No more battling of nations. No one trying to up the other one. No more lakes between. Because if you look at verse 1, what separates us are usually the lakes and the seas. What makes up the earth is about three-fourths of lakes. And what the new place is going to be, there's going to be no lakes, no water, so we'll be able to, no barriers, nothing keeping us away. We'll be able to enjoy each other's company. We'll be able to celebrate each other. No more racism, ageism, sexism, or classism. We'll be there just enjoying each other's company in Christ. Jump to Revelations 22, verse 1 and 2. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the greatest street of the city. On one side of the river, you will see the tree of life with the 12 fruits from the crops and the leaves as well. If you could just picture this new Jerusalem in its splendor, it's, the visuals are stunning, um, unparalleled beauty. And I don't know about you, but I've had the opportunity to travel um, throughout the world. Me and my wife and my kids, we lived in different countries and visited many countries, but three kind of stands out to me. We had the opportunity to go to Beijing, uh, Beijing China, we were able to look at all the castles and the temples, the forbidden city, and we was able to go in the imperial's palace and the summer palace, and all these different artifacts were just gorgeous. They were breathtaking. We also had the opportunity to go to Paris, France, where we saw the Eiffel Tower and went to the cathedrals in Notre Dame and all these things. It's like, wow. Outside of the people driving crazy, it was a great place to be. Um, but I really loved, my favorite was Tokyo, Japan. We lived there for four years, and we would walk outside of our house, and there right there was Mount Fuji. It was such this beautiful backdrop, and we had a chance to climb Mount Fuji and all those great things, and we got to go to the Imperial uh, Tokyo and all the various temples and all these different landscapes. Even when I think about that and how man made those things, it's not going to come close to what this new heaven and this new earth going to look like. So if you can think it, you haven't came close to what it's going to be. And that's the glory and the hope of all of this because he's trying to get our attention and say, there is something to fight for. There is something worth staying intact for. And if you just hold on, you will be okay. Verse 3. It says, no longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. As you know in the garden, 
God instructed Adam and Eve, do not touch this tree. Because it was disobedient like many of us, amen. They touched the tree and it brought sin into the earth. And what the writer is saying is when that day comes, there's never going to be a curse anymore because it's over. We must understand that the curse separated us from a holy God. But when you place your faith in Jesus, he saves us from the penalty of sin. But when this happens, the separation will be no more. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, he saves us from the power of sin, and Jesus lives in us now. However, when that day comes, we're not going to need that anymore. And when we get to heaven, we're going to be in the presence so there will be no more sin around us. And when we enter the new heaven and new earth, we will experience a blessed and perfect life. My question to you this morning is, can you hold on until that day? Can you remember where God has brought you from? Verse 4, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. It's going to time, going to be a time and place where we'll be in his presence and we'll be identified because his name will be on our foreheads. And we shouldn't be waiting till then. We should be saying, and now Jesus is my all. My mother used to say, my all in all. I said, mama, how Jesus can be your all and your all? She said, you understand it when you get older. <laughs> I understand it now. No fear, no tear. God is God. So in Revelations 21, 22, we get this imagery of what the new heaven and new earth is going to look like. And he's given us this future hope on what to expect when it gets there. But the question is, is why should we wait till that day come? What we know to see and what we know to happen, we should be living this life right now waiting for that day. Because we should be his armor bearers, his image bearers, and we should let the world know who we are in Jesus. Who knows how long this is going to be before we experience this, but I got some good news. There are plenty of things that we can do now for that great day. Philippians 3.20, Paul says it like this, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, I'm eagerly waiting that day, but I'm still going to work today. I have an expected hope and the glory that is to come, but yet and still I'm going to work it out right now. Well, Paul is saying this is my temporary residence, but since I'm here, I might as well do something. And that's going to be my challenge for you this morning. So for the next few minutes, I want to talk about three ways that you and I can get started and get ourselves ready for the new heaven. If you're taking notes, this is where I want you to lean in and write this down. Getting ready for heaven, number one is this. You need to bless Jesus. Simply put, bless Jesus. What do I mean by that? To bless Jesus simply means is to worship him. Many of us go throughout our day, our week, and say, I'm good until Sunday. Then you want to throw in your best threads. You want to come in church and you want to scream hallelujah. And you want to clap your hands. Uh, you want to sing to him. Singing is an expression to Jesus. 
It's not worship. Worship is kind of different. Look how David said in his Psalms 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. When you walk throughout the week, do you forget God's benefits? Are you so into yourself or so drunk on yourself that you forget God's benefits? I don't know about you, but every once in a while I slip. I'm arguing about my food and thank God I got some food. I need to give him thanks for his benefits. Amen. Give God a hand clap. And what David is simply saying is, I'm declaring that Jesus is my Lord, he's my Savior, and I'm going to worship him from the depths of my soul. I'm going to give him all that I have. He's my creator, he's my redeemer, and he's coming. And many of us today, we might ask, how is church going? Oh, church was good. Church was real good. What the pastor preach about? Uh, I don't know. But the music, it was great. That's not worship because God expects you and I to change. What I consider worship is three things. We need to worship God in our posture. We need to bow to God, not just our knees, our heart, and say, here it is. I give it all to you. And at the same time, lift Jesus up. Another way we can worship is through our lifestyle how you live and how you testify about how great Jesus is. Where has he brought you from? Is it worth testifying about? I know I should be because I should be dead and gone, but yet I'm here. Here's another way you can worship. What about your purpose? Do you know your purpose? Are you living for purpose, purposefully for Jesus? Here's the deal, because you and I are flawed and sinful people, sometimes we do get it wrong. But that's the awesomeness of Jesus. He allows us to dust ourselves off. He allows us to repent and come to him. But sometimes we get it wrong. Look at Revelation 22, 8. I, John, this is the apostle. I am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of the book. Worship God. Now, here it is. This is, this is John. The one that Jesus picked, the one that watched Jesus teach, the one that watched Jesus do all these miraculous miracles, the same one that watched Jesus go up, resurrect from the dead, the same, and he missed it. So we can miss it. Mm. And this is not the first time John had this issue. In Revelation 19, he did the same thing. He saw this beauty, and once again, he worshipped the angel. Who are you worshipping? Here I come. 
The angel rebuked him and essentially said, get up from there. You're worshiping the wrong thing. And if John the Apostle commits it, so can you and I. We have to be alert. We have to worship the true God. And over the years, I will admit, I worship the wrong things. Can you admit that you worship the wrong things? Many of you worship your careers. Many of you worship your spouse, your children. Many of us worship all the things, retirement, entertainment, our comforts, our politics. Some of you have even worshipped pastors. <laughs> and what the messenger is saying here is, don't worship me. I'm just a messenger. And in this text, he said, I'm just the one bringing the word. Don't worship me. Worship God. So I have a couple of questions for you. Is there someone or something in your life that's sitting on the throne right now? What about this one? Is there something or someone that occupies most of your thoughts? You know, that woman won't call you back. Uh That man deleted your number. Uh Are you worshiping something outside of Jesus? Is there something or someone your life revolves around? Or does it revolve around Jesus? In this season, we need to ask God to reprioritize and make him first. That's what I mean by bless Jesus. This is number two that we can do to get ready for heaven. Dress like Jesus. Now, when I say dress like Jesus, I'm not saying get rid of your wardrobe. I'm not saying turning your red bottoms for some slippers. Amen. I'm not telling give away your, your nice little jeans and get a little dress, trying to be Jewish. What I'm saying is I need you to dress like Jesus. Look how Paul said it in Colossians 3.12. Put on this as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. When you're thinking about a tie or a dress, what we're talking about is a lifestyle. Are you living? Are you clothing yourself in the things of God? Revelation 22, 14 says this, Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. The metaphor for washing the robes is the process of setting yourself aside. It's the sanctification process of saying, I am the Lord. I'm putting myself on the side. I'm going to be on team Jesus. I'm willing to let my life show that. It's funny in Revelation 7, the same concept of the washing of the robes was first mentioned when he described the 144,000 Jews that would be there. This is what they did. They persevered through the tribulations of the end times. They did not bow their knees to the Antichrist. They did not receive the mark of the beast. They endured the furious trials. And when God is asking us to set ourselves apart, he's asking us to persevere in Christ. This is making a daily choice to get up and say, I'm yours, Jesus. It's a moment-by-moment 
experience. Because all it takes is one choice to fall off the handle. But you're constantly being in tune and being led and controlled by the Spirit. Because when this is all over, we want to enter in into this new place and this new heaven. And as long as you're walking with Christ in this world, you will not be defeated. But we must keep our minds stayed on him. How are you doing in this area? Are you currently washing your robe? Or are you walking around stinky? What are you wearing? Perhaps you're wearing addiction. Many of you are addicted to alcohol, maybe, to food, to pornography, or sex. What are you wearing? Is it addiction? Maybe you're wearing anxiety. Where your thoughts are hitting your brain and you're like a runaway train. And you're letting your thoughts get the best of you and you're just going. You got into this cuckoo mobile and you drive around cuckoo land. And you don't know why. You're dreaming of all kinds of irrational scenarios and that paralyzes you. You know who you are in Christ. Give it to him and put it at his feet. Maybe you were in anger where you always blow off at the handles and you walk away with all this debris and lives are torn because you got one of those mouths. God doesn't want that for you. You're easily offended and you just have, at the end of the day, just a bitter heart. And God says, I'm here. Give it to me and I will. Make it better. He simply says, come. And friends, if we are truly giving our lives to Christ, we must approach him with our pains and our struggles because he cares for you. So how do we get ready? Bless Jesus. Dress like Jesus. This is the one I want you to lean into. Say yes to Jesus. Many of you haven't given him your yes. You gave him your maybe. When I looked on the stage, there were a couple of people that had lukewarm. Lukewarm means you're neither hot nor cold, you're just lukewarm. And I don't know about you, if you got a scratchy throat, you don't want lukewarm water, you want hot water. So it can soothe. If you're hot, you want cold water, you don't want no lukewarm water. Neither does Jesus. He's saying you're either in or you're not. He wants you and I to be all in. He wants us to say yes. And the Bible was filled with all types of descriptions where he's inviting us into this personal relationship. Look at Revelation 22. The spirit and the bride says, come. And let the one who hears says, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes Take the free gift of the water of life. It's simply one thing. Just come. If you're not willing to come, then God can help you. I just said, I got this, knowing I didn't have it. But I said I had it. And I ended up doing more damage than good. If I already had it, I wouldn't be in the situation that I was in. 
And many of us are in these situations because we're just egocentric. But God is saying here, come. What I love about Jesus is this is not a, a, like an a, a, a inclusive, like a country club where you got to have the right credentials to walk in. You got to walk a certain way, talk a certain way. Jesus just says, come. Come if you put together. Come if you're a mess. Come if you're walking with Jesus or if you're wandering with him. Come if you have some victories. Come if you have some mistakes. At the end of the day, just come. He has his living water that's free. All he wants is a surrendered heart. Is that you today? Revelation 7, 8. Many believe that I can do whatever I want and I'm still going to get in. That's called universalism and that's not true. Verse 7 says, those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Here's the key. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexual immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. sulfur. This is a second death. If you think... You can do whatever you want, and you're going to enter this new heaven and new earth. You're wrong. There is a heaven, and there is a hell. How you get there is based on your choice. God loves you so much that if you call on his name, he will send you with him. God also loves you so much if you won't call out, he won't let you do what you want to do. So at the end of the day, you and I have a choice. Is your yes today? Does God have your yes? Or does he have a maybe? Or does he have a no? I want to shift gears. We're getting ready for Easter. It is the Super Bowl of Christianity. It actually should be every day. But this is the day we say that Jesus was buried, he raised, he conquers. If you don't have a relationship with him, then this is where it starts. It's never going to work for you. Trust me, it's not until you give your life to him. If we can all close our eyes and bow our head, this is for those who don't know him. This is for those who's trying to figure it out. I'm not naive. A room this big and these many people in a room, someone does not know Jesus. But the question is, is do you want to get to know him? If that's you, I want you to simply uh, say this prayer with me. With every eye closed, head bowed. If this is you, and you can honestly say you have not blessed Jesus, if you can honestly say you have not been dressing like him. But this is the key. If you have not gave him your yes, I want you to make that commitment today. Father God, we come in the name of Jesus to say thank you. We're thankful, Father God, that this is going to end. But you're not calling us 
to sit on the sideline. You're calling us to engage. That person who doesn't know you, I want you to repeat these words after me. Jesus, I give you my life. All that I have. I simply say yes. I believe that you are the only son of God. And today I give my life to you. I invite you into my heart. I thank you and I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you did that prayer, I want to be the first to say congratulations. Welcome to the family. Amen. Your better days will come now. And for all the rest of us who have that relationship with Jesus, simply, have you given him your yes? Can you admit that you didn't give him your yes? And if you haven't, let's get back on the saddle and give him our yes. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father God, we just thank you for what you're doing. Within each of our lives, Father God, you know us by name. Help us to be more like Christ. Maybe put self away and, and, and take up Jesus. And I pray for each person in this room, their family, their friends, Father God, I pray that you get the glory. And when that day comes, it'll be a glorious day. As we now begin to take offering, Father God, this too is an act of worship. We're giving back what's rightfully yours. So bless those who are giving today, Father God. Bless those who have nothing to give. I pray that they give you their heart today. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name. And we all say amen and amen. God bless you. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. I want to encourage you to not just stop here. Maybe you sense God is speaking to you today and wanting you to take that next step. So here's two ways you can do just that. The first is text the word next to the number 909-281-7797. That's 909-281-7797. You'll receive a message back with some ways to help you grow. That may mean joining a small group or finding a place to serve or just talking with someone one-to-one about your faith. You can also visit the notes for this podcast and follow the links provided. And if you're within driving distance of one of our four physical locations in Banning, Ontario, Rialto, or Victorville, we'd love for you to stop by sometime and give us a chance to meet you personally. Again, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope to see you soon. God bless.